Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to worship you today with these awesome men of Calvary. Lord, I thank you for the breakfast that we received and the fellowship that we had with each other. It is amazing that each of us came from so many backgrounds, but at the same time, we have the same concerns and needs. Today, Lord, I ask for forgiveness for those times where I failed to live up to your standards and pledge I will try harder. Dear Lord, as we prepare to study the word and examine some application, I pray that the Holy Spirit inspires us to be all that we can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Good morning again. Um, For those that didn't hear my name earlier, my name is Steve. I'm a deacon here at the church. I'm also the lead of the ushers ministry. I've been with the Calvary Chapel movement for, oh wow, almost 30 years. And uh, what's probably the most amazing, I've grown more with Calvary Chapel than I did with any other church. I'm honored to be up here today with the men of God um, and discuss a few issues that we men have. I have found that God's word is truly amazing and he even took the time to address specific instructions to us men. But we men are different than the ladies. For example, my wife brought to my attention last night that we were setting up, and the men were over here setting up the, the church and all the tables. And she goes, oh no, are you getting out those stupid old wooden tables? And I said, hey, we have to. That's the only ones we got. And she goes, then you better have tablecloths. And I go, really? You know, so, you know, my, my wife is my wise counselor. So I called up Mr. Vince and asked him, I said, did you guys get tablecloths? And he asked me the same question. Why would we want tablecloths? Well, my wife overheard uh, the conversation, and, uh, and so she gave me a little bit of a hard time. But again, and this is only points out that we are a little bit different than ladies. And really, God wants to have both of those different capabilities uh, when we study God. Um, one more time, I want to stress the point um, that we are actually different. I was a Boy Scout leader for about seven years in Omaha, Nebraska. And it was an incredible time to watch young boys jo- uh, grow up through the Cub Scout and the Boy Scout um, ranks as they, as they progressed. Uh, my youngest son had finally hit to be um, the age of being a Weeblos. And a Weeblos is finally, as a Cub Scout, you get to go out and do camping for the very first time. And our pack decided we needed to have a mom and me camp out. Awesome. The moms are going to go out with the boys. This is going to be fun. Well, I, I, unfortunately, as being the pack leader, I had to caravan everybody out there. I had to set up all the tents, you know, make sure that everybody had everything. And then I was released. You know, three day or a day and a half, two days later, I came back to pick up everybody, and my wife looked grumpy. And I'm going, okay, what did I do this time? And she goes, you are in so much trouble. I go, what did I do? And she goes, you forgot to teach the boys the most important lesson of all. And I stopped and I said, my boys can sleep out under the stars without a tent in zero degree weather and survive. They can cook. I think that they probably could kill an animal if they needed to. That wasn't something I trained them. We can start fires. I said, what did I teach? The, I forget to teach the boys. And she goes, you forgot to teach them to wash their hands before we eat. I admitted, yes, I had. That is not important. But again, that only distresses. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, whatever. So, you know, really, truly, we men of the church have a lot of different needs. And today I wanted to, to address a few of those. Um, so... This is pretty incredible uh, to be up here today. So when I was offered the opportunity to speak and address you today, of course, as a good man of Christ, I, I asked my elders and my pastor, I said, what is the topic of interest? And Pastor Bill, being the wise man, and I've been under him for about 10 years, he says, Steve, you know, you need to pray about it and let the Holy Spirit give you that inspiration. 
you know what? I just did that. Uh, I did that for the last two weeks, three weeks now. Um, also, I wanted to know is that for the last two weeks, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you men to come today. Um, it is very important for us to have this time together. I prayed that each one of you would bring a friend, bring your son. It was so awesome to see the dads out here with your boys, and thank you very much for doing that. Um, so what did I come up with as I started praying about it? Honestly, I believe, how do we get more men involved in the church? It's one of the hardest things that we have. I'm going to talk about some statistics in a minute. So as I kept going on through it, I said, oh, okay, I honestly believe it is the hardest task. It's so bad of a problem that I read a recent article. Women comprise more than 65% of the people that sit in the, in the seats during a normal service. Um, unfortunately, it's not just in attendance where men fall up behind. Men are less likely to lead, to share their faith, and also volunteer in the church. Okay, now I'm not downplaying anything that women doing. Uh, the women do, uh, from the time of Jesus himself, have held a very important role. But you know, really, truly, we men of God need to counsel, to mentor, and lead the other men of church. So how can we do that? Well, first of all, I wanted to go back and, and actually you know, tell you something. Matthew 9.37 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So over the next couple of minutes, I'm going to talk about volunteering and trying to convince the men of the word to actually start volunteering. So I looked back over my time in, in Calvary in different churches, and I said, what do churches do to try to get more people to volunteer? How do we try to get the men involved? As uh, you know, Usually it happens as one of the ministry leads, or maybe an elder comes up here to the stage and stands in front of the congregation and talks about all the different needs of the church. I've seen that many, many times. Uh, I've also seen the bulletin used, and we'll actually list out everything that we need and how many different you know, opportunities there are. I've even had heard of a pastor, not in Calvary, but another church, who actually stood here at the pulpit and said, you know, if we don't get any more volunteers, we're going to have to com probably combine some of our Sunday school classes. We just don't have enough. Well, guess what? I've never seen any of those um, different processes and, and uh, steps work. It just doesn't work. What we need to do um, is we need to um, actually start working a little harder. Well, I had to go back and examine, okay, that's what I've seen. What did I do? Well, you know, I'm no better. You know, I've invited people. I've begged people. I've tried to strong on, uh, arm a few men to join one of the men's ministries, to become one of my ushers, or even to help out during a hospitality event. Normally, I'm rejected with some really common responses. As I talk about them, I'm sure every one of you is going to say, I've heard that before. The number one that I usually hear is, Sunday is my day of rest. You know, I can hang my hat on that, that comment. You know, uh, every one of us uh, probably works Monday through Friday. We probably use the Saturday of special, other than this special event today, to probably do all of our chores, to run around, get all of the other things taken. You know, Sunday is a, is a day of God, and that's the only day I get to take a nap. So, uh, you know, I can understand that one. However, I recommend that if a, a man comes up to you and says, you know, Sunday is my day of rest, explain to him that in our ministry, it doesn't have to only be on a Sunday. There's lots of little tasks that we have throughout the church where volunteers can help other than on our Sunday schedule. We have to deep clean our carpets. Well, we don't want to clean them on, you know, uh, Saturday. They're going to be cold or they're still wet on Sunday morning. You can schedule events like cleaning your carpets, cleaning the graves, washing the windows, any day of the week. And it doesn't have to be a full night commitment. But with the point is we want to get our men involved. And the more you get them involved, the more you can give them the opportunity to, to know the Lord and how fun it is actually to volunteer. 
The second most common uh, reason for not wanting to become a volunteer, I don't need another commitment. You know, okay, that's fair. Um, again, I can't argue at all. Uh, over the last uh, year, my job has required me to travel out the East Coast uh, several times a year uh, to support my client. Uh, I'm currently managing 16 security engineers doing incredible things, providing critical cybersecurity services for the entire Navy. Um, I am an usher here at the church. Yeah, I probably don't need another commitment. But it isn't up to me. It has nothing to do with my needs. It's all up to him. If God has a need, then what we need to do as men of Christ, see that God, recognize that, that need, and then go out there and find somebody to uh, take over it. So I recommend that you find small volunteer opportunities so that other people can see that it's not a full-time commitment. It's not going to be eight hours every week. It's not going to be a, teaching a Sunday school class at first. But so what you do is you find those things. Examples can include, include, we hold a VBS every year, Vacation Bible School. There's a million things in prepping for Vacation Bible School. Sometimes it's just decorating the canopies outside. Sometimes it's maybe setting up the, we set up a little tent here in the, in the sanctuary. You know, there's a lot of men in the church that may not have the time to actually volunteer for an entire VBS event, but be willing to come and help me set up a tent. Um, there's other things is, I'm sure that there's a handyman in every one of our churches that would just be willing to be asked, hey, could you fix one of our leaky faucets? The whole point is we need to get men involved. We need to go let them see that serving the Lord is very important. Probably the next uh, you know, uh, excuse that comes up that I've heard is, I haven't been asked. This is the saddest excuse I've ever heard. It, but it happens every time. A lot of times what happens is within a church, uh, somebody that's sitting in the seats sees that it's working really well. There's a bunch of us behind the scenes running around with our heads cut off, making sure the church is here and it's always open and it's always clean. Well, they don't see that they have any need. We need to let the, the people in the seats know that there's needs. You know, last week or two weeks ago, Pastor Bill talked about some housekeeping, where we're going to have to park, how we're going to park, and things like this. Those are things that we need to do. It wasn't complaining. It wasn't asking people to step in and volunteer. But just let the people of our church know there's a lot of different things that we need to address here. Number four. This is really sad, is I have volunteered, but I never heard back. How many times have you actually tried to volunteer for something in the years, and uh, you actually contacted one of the ministry leads, and they forgot your phone number? That has happened to a lot of our people in a church. There's nothing worse than missing out a critical opportunity to get somebody else involved. Make it a prior to get back to them within 24 hours. So I recommend, how do we solve that? If somebody walks up to any one of you and says, I'd like to volunteer, I have a special capability, you know, do you need any help doing whatever? If it's not your ministry, escort them directly to the person that is their ministry. Make sure that you get their contact information. We need to get back to those people because they're only going to offer so many times. And if they offer, we've missed out a very important opportunity. list goes on, and I'm sure that any one of you can tell me a, a lot of different things, excuses why you've heard. But my favorite out of all of them is, drum roll please, I'm sorry, but I don't feel led. Now, you know, I have to give this guy a, an extra credit because he's actually trying to use biblical principles, even though it's incorrect. But I mean, he's actually trying. So I recommend that if you find volunteer opportunities that a man can do with his wife or his best friend really helps. 
You know, they may not be led to do something all the time. But again, like fixing one of our sinks or something, and you know one person, he might not come. Ask him if he's got a buddy to come over. Any time that we can get a man involved in something of the work of God, then what we're going to allow is the Holy Spirit to do the rest. We're not going to, I'm not going to give you any wonderful truths up here that today that's going to be able to convince. Now you've got 100 men volunteering in every service. But these are important just to get them involved. Okay, so what is the, the, the answer? I had all of the excuses. I had a lot of um, answers to those. But, you know, I really believe that the real truth behind it is that we don't build godly men. Today in our society, and we talked about it over at breakfast, um, with the feminist movement and some of the other things that has gone on here in the United States, men have lost their empowerment. They're no longer taught that they need to lead. They're no longer taught to even stand up within the family. So, you know, what we need to do as a, a church is we need to build godly men. I've read many studies and articles written by both secular and non-secular authors that cover those principles of how to build godly men. It wasn't just godly men when I was reading the non or the secular studies. I created a list of the most common elements that I read out of all these different things. You know, a list was pretty long. And then I compared it to biblical teaching. You know, Pastor Bill has taught me one thing, probably more than anything. Everything I hear, I need to compare it to what the Bible says. You know, if somebody says, don't do that, well, let me see what the Bible says. If somebody says, that's okay for us as Christians to do, let me see what the Bible says. So I actually compared this list to the Bible. And then I got down and dwindled down the list of things that I thought was probably going to help us build godly men. And then, of course, I'm Steve. I had to get it down to five. You know, if it was 10, I wasn't going to remember. So these are the, the five most important steps that, I can, um, that I'm going to talk about today and that I can remember. First, as of a man of God, you must read and study the word. You know, I'm not the smartest person in the world, and I know a lot of people out there don't have all the answers. But God gave us an incredible uh, thing, and that's called the Bible. And there's a situation, or there's a study, or there's direction, there's guidance inside that Bible that will cover every situation. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So first of all, we need to take, I need to, to start getting back in the word. If we expect that men will stand up to the new challenges and step out to do something uncomfortable, we need to coach them. How can we coach them unless we have the word in our heart, have the word in our hand and, in, and on our lips? I don't think that the problem that men aren't willing to learn, the problem is there's not men willing to teach. The next thing I think that we can uh, do to start building more godly men is the Bible teaches us to pray for the opportunity. You know, I did that this week, and I talked about that earlier. Is I prayed for every one of you all week long. Every morning I got down and I prayed for the men that were going to be here today. And uh, that was very important to me. The Holy Spirit wants to use us in every way and to lift up others. In Ephesians 6.18, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard. Pray long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And that's what happens. A lot of men get a little bit of teaching. They get a little bit of the word. And then life captures them again. And they drop out. Let's not let them drop out. So pray for those opportunities so that you can actually do it. Because, you know, actually it's not going to be me that does anything. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. So pray that the, the, the Holy Spirit prepares you to teach. 
prepares the hearts of those that you're going to talk to for, to listen and that God would reveal a new truth during that conversation uh, that you may have with that one that's going to change something in their life. So now that we've prepared with word and prayer, what's next? Number three, the next step requires us, and this is hard, guys, that you must be in church every time that door is open. You know, that, that, that's probably one of the hardest things that we do is uh, we're, our lives are full. You know, and uh, there's a lot of times that door is open. Unfortunately, not all of us want to be there every time. Uh, I know it's hard, but you must provide it. How can you provide a good model to another man of the church if he doesn't see you volunteering, see you teaching, see you praying with somebody else? Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. As the saying goes, you can't buy a car unless you go to the car lot. It's very true. And also, how can you expect anyone uh, to look at you as a mentor in their eyes unless they see you in church? It's a hard one, guys, and I apologize. Uh, Also in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with our actions and the truth. You can only do it if you're here. Okay, I understand I made a whole bunch of you feel uncomfortable. I've asked you to pray. I've asked you to uh, study. I've asked you to be in church all the time. So what is the next step? Well, we just can't keep greeting each other every Sunday morning with the common, hey, buddy, it's good to see you, and then turn to the next person and keep going. We're not building any kind of relationships with that way. You know, um, First Theologians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. How can we get do that unless we get to know each other? I don't know if, uh, yeah, and I, I tried to meet a little bit of everybody today, and I apologize I didn't get to meet everybody. But I actually thought it was very important to go out and shake a new hand, find out what their name is, find out what church they were attending. Uh, a lot of times at breakfast, we actually got to study and, and not study, but to sit down and, and actually talk while we're drinking a cup of coffee and sharing and explaining the fun that we have in volunteering, the concerns that we have as men. I have found that this is very successful if I invite a brother along with me. So I got a duties. I got duties here in the church every day. So if I, in, instead of trying to say, hey, you want to volunteer to be an usher? Hey, you'd say, hey, over the next you know, 15 minutes, I got to do a couple duties. Hey, why don't you just come with me as we, and we can keep talking as I do it. You know, if you just bring them along, that's half of everything. You know, uh, let them see your success. Let them see your joy as that you lead. Okay, finally, the, the final and the fifth answer is try to find a way to fuel each other's passion. This can be through a quick note of thanks. And of course, by praying that your brother will receive confirmation from God himself. Now, hearing me say, thank you, man, that's pretty awesome. But letting the, having the spirit go to that person and confirm, uh, confirming to them that they're doing a good job is with number one. Luke eleven nine and 10 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and, for, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. So pray again. Pray again. Years ago, I was the head of the ushers ministry in a, Colorado, in a, chapel, a Calvary Chapel in Colorado Springs. And over the uh, 20 years that we were there, uh, the church doubled in size every two years. I don't know what God was doing in that church. Um, it, was, it was pretty crazy. 
And as it grew, we, we had to get bigger. We had to bring on more volunteers. And at one point, I, I finally had 65 men and women on the ushers ministry. And you're going, 65? I also had 25 off-duty police officers. You're going, what do you need 65 men and women on the ushers ministry? We're holding eight services a week, and in each service I had to have eight, uh, eight ushers and two security. That's a huge staff. Well, as you can see, over the, of the time, it became a pretty big duty. Um, as a volunteer, and I had a full-time job too, um, developing, coordinating, and publishing my monthly usher schedule was becoming an enormous duty. It took me nearly a full week of evenings every month calling people, begging, saying, hey, could you take a different service? Could you work another one? And uh, that combined with the time that I was actually ushering, leading uh, two services a week, my wife started to feel a little bit like a church widow. And she started saying things to Steve, I know you love the Lord, and I thank you for loving the Lord, but you're also married. You're also a dad of two. Okay, now I'm being strong-armed by the wife. I'm starting to feel pressure of uh, the ministry. And unfortunately, I started losing some of the desire. You know, I started to get to the point where I started doubting myself. So one day, I was just kind of sad. And I actually looked up to the Lord, frustrated, and I prayed, God, maybe it's time for you to stand up a new lead for the usher's ministry. You know, that, that was probably the, the saddest point in my life because I was admitting defeat. But you know what? I'm sure that every one of us has been there at one point in their ministry where you just don't have another hour. You know, you, I, I can't stay here one more time. But you know what? It isn't up to us. It's up to God. And I'm going to give you, tell you what God did for me that day. The following Saturday service, I'm standing at the front doors like I do. I love the meet and greet and just make sure all the ushers are doing their things. And as I'm standing at the front door welcoming our church family, a mother and her two daughters uh, come running in before service. And all of a sudden, she stopped. And as I'm greeting her, she goes, Steve, um, I need to tell you something. And um, I've heard a lot of those at the front door. And usually, it's a, a concern, a sin in their life, uh, asking for something to need. And so I escorted her and her girls over to the side. And I said, how can I help you? And she uh, started telling me this really embarrassing story for her. Evidently, two years before then, she had been married to a man that was abusive, and he was abusing her and the girls. And finally, she got up enough um, strength, will, to leave him, and she actually went to a woman's shelter. I went through the entire divorce, and and finally, after she was free of this man, this beast, um, she started thinking about it, and she lost her love for the Lord. How can I go through all that abuse and you, for you not to be there? And she didn't love the Lord anymore. One day she was driving down the street, thankfully, and she saw our church. And she goes, okay, I have no need for God, but the girls in the back seat deserve the right to make that decision themselves. So the following Saturday, she was at the front door, and I was the first person that met her. Now, I've been doing the ushers ministry for a long time then, and I try to meet everybody just like if, you know, um, well, just like God loves everybody, you know, and I, I recognized that she was new and I said, hey, you know, how can I help you? And she's looking at me and I actually, evidently she tells me the story. I got down on one knee and even welcomed her two daughters. And I showed her and their daughters over to the Sunday school rooms and I got her into the sanctuary and I even gave her a Bible. Evidently, as she's telling me this story, 
I actually hooked up with her after service and said, hey, do you have any questions? Is there anything I can answer? You know, at this point, I have to admit, I don't remember that point because that was what I did every Sunday with every family that I met. That's what God had put me there as an usher to do is to meet the needs of the people, answer the questions and make sure that they're going to be settled enough that they can hear the word of God. So as she continued, she explained that, you know, um, I was the first person that she and her daughters met every week. And pretty soon her daughters started saying, I want to see Mr. Steve. That's kind of weird, you know, but thankfully that. And all of a sudden she said, slowly I realized that not every man is evil. And she goes, as I realized that, and I sat in service waiting for the girls to hear the word of God, I started to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I started to lose my anger. She said, it took me only almost two full years now, Steve. And God has completely healed me of that abuse. And she goes, I want to even let you know is I'm slowly dating a new man. And he's a member of this church. And I said, that's awesome. So she looked up at me in tears and she says, I don't know why God wanted me to tell you this story. And I looked back at her with tears in my eyes and I said, I do. So as she started to walk away, I stopped, got on my knees right then and looked at God and I said, thank you, I heard you clearly. I'm going to be the head of your usher's ministry as long as you want me, Lord. I'm also promising you, Lord, I'm going to make my wife number one in my life. That was a big turn in my life. You know, uh, nobody should ever expect to receive a blessing on the earth. Nobody should ever expect to have that pat on the back. That day, I had prayed to God for him to bring somebody else. That wasn't his plan. His plan was for me to do it, and it required a, a tap on the back. But more than that, more than that he talked to me directly that day, I was witness to the fact that he had used me to make a change in somebody else's life. That's why we need to volunteer. That's why we need to be in these doors every day because you will never know the impact you make on somebody else's life. Sorry. Still emotional. That was quite a long time ago. Men of church. Men of of Calvary Chapel. I challenge you today and encourage you as you will never know the actions that you and how they will impact others, first I need to remind you that it starts with being in the Word and prayer. You know, I challenge you every day. Get in the Word a little bit more. Get in the prayer a little bit more. There's never enough. God always wants us to talk to Him. I talk to, I unfortunately drive all the way out to Point Loma every day. That gives me like 45 minutes of prayer every morning and every evening. I also call bomb sometimes. And... Uh, I can promise you that if you turn over your life to the Lord, your actions will change and you'll be started to be looked at by other people as a mentor. They'll want to come to you and ask for your guidance as they're walking through life. Try to be in church at all times. Again, because you never know when God is going to use you. And if you're not there, you can't do it. Next, next, I encourage you to stop and visit with your brothers. Listen to their needs. Invite them along to tag along with you as you're doing your ministry so that you can mentor them. Overall, the steps can be summarized in sincere preparation and one-on-one personal action. Isn't that what Jesus did? I'm not the smartest person in the world. 
You know, I, I've just looked and I've summarized probably three or four chapters of the Bible. And oh, remember, I said the final step, number five, was striving to fuel their passion. And I hope that me sharing that story fueled your passion today. At this time, I'd like you all, I even made time. That's pretty good. Um, if I could ask you all to please stand with me and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you very much for your son, Jesus Christ. Without him, there is no hope. I thank you for the men that have been taking a couple hours out of their life today to spend time with us in breakfast, in visiting with each other, and in studying your word. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit guide us in our actions throughout the coming week, inspire us in our own ministries, and empower us to encourage our brothers in Christ to get involved. I ask these things in your name, in Jesus Christ's name, amen.